Last week, Senator Eduardo Braga presented his draft of a bill to reform Brazil's tax system. And this latest version includes several changes to the proposal approved by the House in July, and many experts complain that it moves the reform even further away from its original goal of simplifying Brazil's Byzantine tax code. And this week, we'll analyse what's at stake in the tax reform process and where things stand in Congress. My name's Ewan Marshall, Deputy Editor of The Brazilian Report, and this is Explaining Brazil. If you like Explaining Brazil, you should subscribe to The Brazilian Report, the journalistic engine behind this podcast. We're an independent organisation funded by our subscribers, and you can help us stay independent and continue to produce award-winning journalism. And if you're already a subscriber, you can go the extra mile and join our Buy Me A Coffee fan page. And in return, you'll get exclusive perks like special newsletters and behind-the-scenes content, as well as a shout-out here on our podcast. And today, I'd like to thank our Buy Me A Coffee members, Gabriel Loka, Andre Novoseltsev, Tom Nolan, Marta Martins, Pam Ludwig, Leslie Seal, Caroline Hubert, Mark Hillary, John Thomas III, Louise Renz, Erwan Menais, Orlando Black, Steve Knapp, Aaron Berger, James Coney, Cars Vrieswick, Alistair Townsend, Peter Abramson, Jim Awofadeju, Michael Fryer, Mila Renacido, David Dixon, Jose Ozi Stankovic, Emerging Market Muser, Yarden Iftag, Tonika Thompson, Anderson Da Silva, Kat Kramer, Peter Suffering, Anna Lund, and someone who chose to remain anonymous. And our Buy Me Coffee members come from all over the world, so please, if we're butchering the pronunciation of your name, please do send us an email. And if you too believe in the importance of independent journalism, and if you want to hear your name on our podcast, go to buymeacoffee.com slash Brazilian Report and subscribe to one of the membership tiers. That's click on buymeacoffee.com slash Brazilian Report to learn more. Our Brazilian correspondent, Sede Silva, has been covering the tax reform in Congress and we've brought him back on the show this week to help us understand a bit more about what is going on in Brasilia. Sede, thanks for coming back. Uh, thank you for having me. And so just to kick off here, so that our, our international listeners can kind of understand a bit better, why is Brazil's tax code so maligned? Can you talk just a little bit about why paying taxes in Brazil is generally considered such an agonizing task? Our reporter Amanda Audi has wrote about the book. Uh, a lawyer uh, from my home state once tried to compile all of Brazil's tax regulations, and the result was a really, really massive book that became instantly outdated because there are new rules and regulations and taxes uh, all the time. Uh, the World Bank uh, once wrote a report called uh, Doing Business, and this report showed that back in 2018, um, companies in Brazil spent an average of 1,500 hours a year, which amounts to uh, several days of work uh, every year in order to comply with Brazil's tax regulations. So that is the reason why our tax system uh, is not only a large burden, not only Brazilians pay a lot of taxes, but it is very complicated uh, to pay them all. 
And Sede, I mean, the need for a tax reform to simplify these rules is something that's been talked about in Brazil for decades. Um, I mean, I can say that since I moved here about 13 years ago, it's been presented as one of the most glaring needs to improve the company's business environment. And now it appears that, you know, it might actually finally happen and get its way through Congress. So what's changed? Your memory is very correct. Um the, intel- the main intellectual mentor of this tax reform, economist Bernard Api, who now works in the finance ministry, uh, he originally presented very similar ideas back in the first Lula administration uh, before 2010. So even just before uh, you moved here, there, were, there was already this idea of simplifying uh, Brazil's sales tax and doing this part of tax reform. One of the things that has changed um, is uh, first the Lula administration is actively backing this reform, unlike the Jair Bolsonaro administration, where you had a president that uh, was not very keen on fighting political battles and advancing agenda, especially on the economic side. And the other thing is because House Speaker Arthur Lira, um, he has an overwhelming majority uh, on, in Congress. He was reelected with a re- very large majority. He can uh, place uh, a large part of the House uh, to the whatever agenda he's supposed to go for for a price. And one, one thing that Dr. Hulita really likes to do is working groups. So in Brazil's Congress, as in a lot of Congresses around the world, uh, they work with formal committees. And with a formal committee... Uh, you have to select lawmakers for the committee proportional to their caucus in Congress. So larger parties will have more representation in the committee. And committees work very formally. Uh, they will do public hearings. They uh, will have a lot of discussion before a vote. And Arthur Lira, when he wants to do so, when it is convenient for him to do so, he, what, what he'll do is he'll place discussions in a working group. Uh, he can select whoever he wants. He doesn't need to follow proportional caucuses. And uh, this working group can finish its work and put the bill to a vote on the floor very quickly. And this was what this was what happened in the House. And now the reform has stalled in the Senate. And in the Senate, it is taking a longer time than in the House. Mm, yeah, interesting. And just to go back to something that you mentioned there earlier, you know, so has the Lula administration treated the tax reform process as a priority? Is it is it whipping the votes that it needs to get it passed? Especially in the House, uh, definitely. Uh, it definitely uh, pushed uh, this mission for the Speaker Tachtulira as a priority. Of course, with a price, uh, because when the House, when the reform passed in the House floor. Uh, a few months ago, it was also at this time that the Lula administration began opening up more spots in the administration for the so-called big center. So replacing ministers and also opening up spots in other places in the federal administration for people allied or nominated by House Speaker Artur Lira and his allies in the so-called big center parties. And also in the Senate, uh, the Lula administration chose Senator Eduardo Braga to be the rapporteur in the Senate. Uh, in Brazil, Brazil's Congress, the rapporteur is the lawmaker that is responsible for the final draft of a bill. So the president can submit to Congress uh, a, a draft, a bill, 
but that will be given to a lawmaker who will do the final version that the lawmakers actually vote on. And now in the Senate, it's the role of Eduardo Braga. He's very experienced. He's a close ally of the Lula administration, and he has worked as a whip for workers' party administrations in the past. So by choosing Eduardo Braga, they also indicate that they take this tax reform very seriously. No, perfect. And so let's just go back to July then when the House did pass its version of the tax reform before, obviously, they made it to the Senate. What are the, what are the major provisions of that version that passed in the lower chamber of Congress? Okay, so I can exemplify to a foreign audience uh, one thing that is going to really change with the tax reform with this. So this is Sonia de Valsa. This is a very, very traditional, very famous chocolate in Brazil. And it has been issued and has been uh, sold for decades now. It's very popular. Uh, we are now in Halloween time. So during the Brazilian uh, parties that celebrate Halloween, a lot of kids are going to compete for a candy like this. But if you look very closely, unfortunately, our camera cannot uh, show it to you. But if you look very closely, it is written here that this is a wafer. So for decades, Sonho de Valsa, which is one of Brazil's most traditional candies, was not a wafer. It was a bonbon. A bonbon is a rounder piece of chocolate, and it was uh, much more delicious. It, 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 it had a, a much better taste and composition than it does today. So why did Lacta, a big, big chocolate company, change Sonho de Valsa from a bonbon to a wafer? Was this something that the customers wanted? Was this something that the kids wanted? No. The reason they changed it to a wafer is because wafers pay a lower sales tax than bonbons do. So they only change it for tax purposes. And currently in Brazil, every state has a very large table, a very large sheet with rows and rows and rows of products. And every different product might have a different sales tax rate. So if you pay a, if you buy a bicycle, it's a different tax rate than buying a couch or buying a cup of coffee or buying a wafer or buying uh, shoes and so on. And different shoes might have different tax rates. Different pieces of clothing might have different tax rates and so on and so forth. What the tax reform will do is it is going to unify the sales tax in every state. So the states can still have different tax rates. So in Sao Paulo, they can charge less or more than real does. But at least in principle, they must charge the same sales tax for all products. So wafers and bonbons would go back uh, to paying the same tax rate, which is not the case today. And this one is uh, a very important thing because as we have discussed uh, previously here in the Brazilian report, the tax reform is as much about power as it is about money. Because currently, state governors in Brazil, they will compete for different investments. So for instance, if a foreign automaker, such as a Chinese automaker or a French automaker, uh, wants to build a factory in Brazil, they are going to have to choose in which state to do so, because Brazil is a really big country. And they're going to look at the tax rates charged in different states. And the states currently are free to lower the tax rate specifically for a given product in order to attract uh, different businesses. 
And after the tax reform is passed, they will lose this power, which is one of the reasons why the governors and the state governments are following this reform so closely, because uh, it will really remove them of a very important political power. And I think, I mean, another big element of uh, tax reform in Brazil would be kind of going after a lot of the privileges and the interests of, you know, many kind of powerful business groups by attacking their, the benefits that exist already for certain industrial sectors. So how have these organized lobbies tried to protect um, the companies that they represent from getting the short end of the stick in the tax reform process? Yeah, they've been hard at work. Um, senators have submitted more than 500 amendments to Mr. Braga's report before he submitted the final report. And Mr. Braga's report is reflective of that uh, because it includes additional exceptions that were not present in the House version. So, for example, uh, in Mr. Braga's report, uh, some white-collar professionals, such as uh, attorneys and physicians, they will be entitled to lower tax rates. And there are a lot of other uh, exceptions. For example, there's uh, a very smart lawyer. Uh, she goes by the name Duquesa de Tax, which could be uh, translated as the tax duchess uh, in, in, on social media. She is an attorney. She um, has spoken to the Brazilian report uh, earlier, and she has compared the exceptions uh, in Mr. Hebraga's report to a full breakfast menu, because, for example, uh, there's an exception in the, the report for natural juice and for other different elements and other items in what in Brazil we call the basic basket of food, of food items. Uh, and there are actually two regimes for the, for the basic food basket. And so there are more and more exceptions uh, that of items that can charge a low, that they can have a lower tax burden, and what this will do is will it will increase the average uh, tax rate for everything that is not included in the exceptions. And so, I mean, these changes uh, to the tax reform draft, you know, that kind of not only does it threaten, you know, the effectiveness of the reform itself. It might also threaten the timetable, right? Because I mean, this is a constitutional amendment. It means that basically both the House and the Senate are both going to eventually have to agree on the same text, and it's just going to bounce back and forward between these two chambers. So, how likely is it that the reform is going to be passed this year if we're getting these new changes from the Senate? Yeah. So, Senator Braga, um, from the start when he presented the the, the his report last week. Um, he already knew that he was going to give two weeks for the senators uh, to discuss this uh, informally behind closed doors before taking uh, it to a vote. So uh, it remains to be seen uh, how will that speed up the process as opposed to having two weeks of public debate uh, in front of the cameras. Uh, so they will have this, these two weeks um, to, to present their grievances or whatnot uh, with the senator before a hopeful vote uh, by November. Also, uh, we can understand that perhaps the changes that Mr. Braga included for these uh, different economic sectors might actually speed up a vote on the House because then these uh, sectors will not have to lobby again for their specific interests in the House 
uh, if they just keep the Senate version, we, we'd actually included uh, additional exceptions. Um, the, the lawmakers in the House were not publicly very interested in the reform as opposed to the senators, uh, where also um, the state governors have more influence because this reform um, is a lot also about political power, not only about the economic lobbies. So it, it, it remains to be seen. Um, the Lula administration, at least vocally, is interest um, in anything that is related to uh, revenue and increasing revenue or having a more stable source of revenue. So for them, it would be important to get this reform approved by the end of the year so they can start 2024 already in the transition period because this reform will not take full effect uh, from one day to the other. Uh, there, it will actually take several decades before all the measures in the reform take effect. And maybe an added importance of getting the reform passed this year is that next year in 2024, we're going to be having municipal elections. So I think by the time everyone gets back to work in the Congress, they're already going to be gearing up and almost beginning their campaigns. So do you think, you know, if it were to be postponed until 2024, do you think that would mean that the approval of the tax reform as a whole could actually be in jeopardy? Yeah, it certainly would be harder uh, in 2024. Uh, because uh, indeed, because of the city elections, a lot of lawmakers themselves run for mayor or um, begin traveling more to their own states uh, to do campaign or to support campaign, especially in the second semester. Uh, so it, it is uh, um, something to note for if the reform is not approved this year. On the other hand, um, most reports and most analysis conclude that the tax reform is going to better distribute the tax revenue among municipalities. So it is something that most of the current mayors, many of them who will run for election, will be interested in uh, because one of the big things that the tax reform does also is it is going to transition slowly from an origin-based tax to a destination-based tax. So the revenue of the taxes currently uh, is very concentrated on the places that produce stuff or where the banks or the companies are headquartered. And not much goes to the place where Brazilians are buying these products. The reform is going to change that. Uh, so a few states with a lot of production or where companies are located, such as Sao Paulo and the agricultural states of Mato Grosso and Mato Grosso do Sul, uh, will lose part of the revenue. And a lot of uh, poorer cities where a lot of Brazilians live and where Brazilians buy the products or use the services of banks, for example, uh, will get a larger share of the revenue. So the mayors uh, in those places uh, would, if they're paying attention, they would be more interested in getting the reform approved as soon as possible because it would mean more revenue for the city governments. Hmm, excellent. Fantastic today. Thanks a lot for shedding light on these battles over the tax reform. Always good to have you with us on the podcast. Thank you very much, Ivan. See you next time. Sede Silva is the Brazilian Report's Brasilia correspondent. And if you like Explaining Brazil, please give us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts. It only takes a second and it will help us reach a wider audience. Or better yet, you can subscribe to The Brazilian Report, which is the journalistic engine behind this podcast. And we have a subscription-based business model and your memberships fuel our journalism to keep us going and growing. 
And thanks to our subscribers, we've also been able to cover Brazil and Latin America extensively, and our work has won and been shortlisted for several international journalism awards. And more recently, our newsletters won the Best Newsletter Prize in the Americas from the World Association of Newspapers and News Publishers for a small or local newsroom. And we're also pleased to announce that we're among the 16 finalists for the fifth annual Premio Mosca Journalism Prize awarded by the prestigious Brazilian news agency Livre Pouco Shore. And we'll be represented by our December 2022 expose on the renting of children by poor Brazilian panhandlers and the results will be announced in mid-November. And so in order to keep doing that work, we do need your support. So please go to brazilian.report slash subscribe. And I'm Ewan Marshall. Thank you very much for listening and Explaining Brazil. We'll be back next week. Mm-hmm.